Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. What's going on, y'all? This is Bud Elliott here of the Cover 3 Podcast. We have Chip Patterson joining us pretty shortly. Maybe Tom Fornelli from the game. Uh, I am uh, properly hydrated here at the coaching convention with watching tonight with a couple of FBS head coaches and a couple of analytics professionals. And it was – now, what a great evening for a game that maybe wasn't uh, always super cleanly played, but Georgia is your 2021 college football national champion really appreciate everybody tuning in here to the cover three podcast and and really guys sincerely thank you all for the run that you have helped us been on uh, for the entire year if you're watching us on youtube please be sure to give us that like and thumbs up if you haven't subscribed uh, what are you waiting for we'll take a couple questions we'll kill a little bit of time here until chip gets in and i'll just kind of start to give my overall thoughts and if you guys are in early we really sincerely appreciate this right uh this has been a hashtag Georgia pod for a while since before I actually joined. And uh, I wish I had my checkerboard background tonight. Again, I'm in San Antonio at the River Center for uh, for the coaching convention. But, guys, this was, uh, this was a really interesting game. For me as a recruiting guy, I loved it because it just felt like watching the opening finals or the Under Armour uh, camps or, or the Army All-American Bowl uh, in, come to form in, in a national title game. And this played out in the way, I think, largely, that Georgia needed it to play out. Uh, not necessarily perfectly for them, but all week when we did our preview stuff, we said, hey, can Bama play at that level again? Because over the course of the season, it was very clear that Georgia was the better football team. But when they played prior, Bryce Young played the game of his life. Georgia looked a little skittish. They made a couple critical errors. They didn't get Bryce Young on the ground when they needed to. And Bryce, being a five-star, being the number one overall recruit in the country in his given year, carved their ass. Tonight, a little bit different story. It is hard to beat a team twice is how the saying goes. I don't really believe that. Right, the better team usually wins both games if they're if they're better. But I think Georgia actually was the better team this year. I think this would have been if they had won the worst Nick Saban team to win a title, maybe by a considerable margin. We'll see. I mean, the 2015 team offensively was not any good, but defensively, you know, they were pretty sick, and they had Derrick Henry. So, a couple of key things tonight. I was wrong about how much two-deep shell stuff Georgia was going to play in this game. Shout out Tom Fernelli. I think Georgia probably was pretty worried, and 
justifiably so by the result. Now, the final score was a little inflated because of the touchdown at the end and then obviously the the pick six by Keely Ringo at the end. But, but Tom was right, okay, to some extent here on how much single high would Georgia play? How hard would Georgia try to keep Alabama from even getting in to the red zone? Ultimately, I think Georgia was trying to get a lot of tackles for loss, and they did bring some pressure. Uh, but Alabama failed to hit those explosive plays tonight that really doomed Georgia in that in that first game. So that's where I want to start here. The big plays for Alabama tonight, they had the 61-yarder, Camel 2. That's a great ball. You know, you, you got a short side tied in off a nub, and, and it just they they hit it. It's a great play. You got you got the Jamison Williams play, forty yards down the middle of the field. Of course, we have to start there when you discuss Alabama because of the fact that they were already missing John Mechie. When you lose Jamison Williams, it does really change the game plan, in my opinion, for what you want to do. And Bama wanted to target Jamison Williams explosively early in the game. They did. I mean, he only played about 20 minutes in this ball game, and he had what? Uh, pulling it up here. Where is Jameson Williams? Four catches on four targets for 65 yards. It seemed like like they were still finding ways to get him open and to get him open explosively. When he goes down, it was very much a situation where Georgia said, who do you guys have? Who do you have who scares us? Cam too? All right, we're really going to lose lose a national title to a freaking tight end? Probably not. You got Slade Bolden. Not scary. I mean, good player. Not somebody who scares us. Brooks, hell of a player. He'll be good down, you know, eventually. He's already decent now, but not somebody who is scaring you. Ajay Hall, who, I mean, if he was could be consistent at all. He'd be on, on the field quite a bit more, but again, he hasn't been for a reason. And I think Georgia said, you're not going to beat us in a red zone. And tonight, like we talked about this pregame, by the way, I said, what am I going to do for live betting tonight? When Georgia gets in third long, I'm betting Bama. Because even though the numbers obviously dictate Georgia's not a good third long team under Stetson, they're even worse than you think. When Bama gets in the red zone, computer's going to say, hey, Bama's going to score a touchdown, and without John Mechie, I thought that was a little sketch, kind of John Sketchy. There's a pun. Sorry, Coca. I know you're producing. You're probably gagging at that. Not that Williams is a big red zone loss, but who do you throw the ball to in the red zone? Latou, Billingsley, who's athletic but not dependable. And Georgia won this game, I think, largely by the stops it got when Bama had the ball with a chance to win in Georgia territory. That Georgia defense, which is pretty historic, came up big over and over again. So let's go and take a look at this. Georgia had the ball in the red zone four times and scored, was it 13 red zone points, I believe it was? Let me go ahead and pull this up here. Comparison, red zone. Uh, 15 points in the red zone. They also had the ball a couple other times in Georgia territory with first downs inside the 40, which the analytics guys will tell you is a scoring opportunity. I believe they had two more of those where they failed to score any points. That's big time. Guys, Georgia just won a national title with Stetson Bennett as their quarterback. 
He was sacked five times tonight. And it, in the end, it didn't matter because that defense ate Alabama's offense alive in many cases. Alabama 4.7 yards per play tonight. That's not any good. I mean, they ran 85 plays to Georgia's 56, and they had 4.7 yards per play. I'm going to go ahead and pull this up. I, I would have had Coca pull this, but I didn't really think to ask him prior to this. When is the last time you all think Alabama had under four point, under five yards of play in a ball game? I bet you it's not recent, right? Let, let's go ahead and pull this up here. So game log. All right, uh, they haven't had four point seven yards of play so far in a game this year. You think that that team last year? Uh, quick scan is no. Prior year, no. So I'm back to 2018 here, looking for anything under 4.7, which is what they had tonight. Okay, actually, uh, 2018. That was uh, was that Jalen Hurts game against Mississippi State where they didn't do a damn thing, but their uh, their defense played really well. I I think it was, or was that the game the two got hurt in? I think 2018 was the yeah 2018 because 2019 would have been to a year that Burrow won, and then 2020 was Mecca. So, yeah, uh, you have to go all the way back. This is probably 30 games ago or so. You have to go back to Mississippi State. The ball game they played uh, 4.24 yards per play in 2018 against Mississippi State, pretty good defense that year, to find a game in which Alabama has not had at least 4.7 yards per play. Uh, Against Auburn, they had – Oh, I'm sorry. No, uh, you guys are right. I, I misread that. Auburn had 4.4, so I just totally botched that. This is why you get the uh, the special YouTube-only edition until Chip comes on, and we have somebody better uh, than me to both drive the show and be the analyst. You know, just not a not enough firepower, experience firepower for Alabama on the outside. You had some guys that got open, and then they couldn't come down with you know difficult catches. You had an Alabama team that ran the ball like crazy on Cincinnati, but a lot of that was Brian Robinson breaking tackles. And in fact, Cincinnati up front is you know not not great. Like they're good. IJ Sanders is good, but Georgia just has whatever the term you want to use is freaks. You know, some coaches call them creatures. They got dudes up front: Devontae Wyatt, Jordan Davis. Obviously, your Popka guy who's a, a total stud and blocks the field goal after getting hurt. And just Nolan Smith chasing down Bryce Young in the open field. I was skeptical, man. I was like, I don't know. I don't I don't know if Bryce can play that well again without Mechie. And I love Bryce Young. Like I've seen that kid play, play great in high school, great in seven on, great in college football, obviously. But – this Georgia team is a better football team than they are. And when Williams goes down, Alabama lost the ability to score explosively. I think that allowed Georgia to force Alabama to be a better red zone team than they have been at times this year. I'm not saying they're a bad red zone team, but I just don't think that their red zone stuff, when they have to have it, measures up to some of the other stuff they do. And 15 points on four red zone trips, two other empty trips with a first down inside of the Georgia 40, you got to put this one really on 
on Georgia's defense. They played a very nice ball game. Under 400 yards allowed on 85 plays faced is uh, is pretty damn good. Bryce Young, 369 through the air, but 57 attempts. Three sacks for Georgia. Okay, and Bama had Bama had five sacks on on, on Bennett. You know, God, is that, is that a Kirby Smart National Championship or what, man? Congrats to Kirby and that Georgia staff, obviously. Georgia wins a national title in the modern era with a 364-yard performance. You know, that's pretty huge. That is, and and let's just talk real quick. I'm gonna take a sip here. So Georgia rolled the dice, said you will not beat us with explosive plays. Got that red zone roulette going. We should make it. We should make a red zone. Tell me in the comment section. Would you? Uh, would you guys buy a red zone roulette shirt? I think that's kind of my phrase. You know, we should probably. We should probably do that. Yeah, got to refuel exactly. This morning, got up, coffee, actually poured some bone broth that I, I bought from Whole Foods. Got the free delivery into the uh, hotel coffee maker which is probably a real douchebag move because I don't know if you make coffee in the coffee maker next, but I wanted it hot. I don't have a microwave in this hotel room, so I just poured it in and then put the cup under there. They should probably be cleaning these things more often anyway and you know, figure the heat kills the germs, whatever's in that coffee maker. <laughs> so uh, anyway, yeah, if you guys want to buy a Red Zone Roulette shirt, we should definitely make that and we'll, we'll see if CBS makes. If not, maybe maybe we'll go uh, we'll go, go kind of off the board with that and, and – you know, you guys can Venmo chip or something. But they said, hey, are you guys going to beat us with our size in the red zone consistently? Can you do that? And you know what? They almost won enough, man. They almost won enough red zone stuff to win the game because Georgia's offense for quite a while looked like hot trash. This was the year they had to have it, though, because I'm here to tell you guys, for all y'all Bama folks out there, and obviously there's a lot of them, and we really appreciate y'all listening, too. Bama might be odds on to win the title next year, depending on where Caleb Williams goes. If he does go to USC, I think Bama, like, would you rather have Bama or would you rather have the field? Because Will Anderson can't go pro. Turner can't go pro. Most of that secondary, you get back. I mean, I think you lose battle, but Kool-Aid's coming back. Obviously, I think you'll get Jackson back. Armour Davis will be back. You lose Neal on the O-line, but everybody else pretty much comes back. Tim Smith will be a year older. You get your Corey Brooks. You get all those dudes. This is the year you had to have it. If you don't cash in this ticket right now, if you're Kirby Smart, you are going to be sitting there when you're on a lake or wherever SEC coaches go to retire, and you're going to say, man, I should have won that shit in 2021. That was that it was a gettable Bama team, you know? And Kirby Smart got them. They limited Bama's explosiveness. They won in the red zone, and they created enough explosive plays of their own to get the job done. Let's go ahead and pull up Georgia's big plays and talk a little bit more about Georgia's offense, right? So Georgia through the air, they had two. Two pass plays of 20-plus yards. Stetson Bennett hit Pickens for that 52-yarder. Pretty nice. Stetson Bennett hit Donnie Mitchell for that 40-yarder. Two most important drives of this game, I thought, right, for Georgia's win. Now, obviously, the one that really swung the game in Bama's favor, um, 
was the Stetson Bennett long fumble, right? You know, that was that was tough. Uh, not really sure that was a fumble, but it's called on the field. So we're going to go ahead and keep the call, I guess, ACC refs. The first one, I thought in the first quarter, before Williams got hurt, Georgia gets that fair catch interference call. Bama has prime field position. Where do they start here? Take a look. So Bama's got prime field position. They're starting at the, uh, I guess the one at their own 45, right? Georgia forces the three and out. Bama was already up 3 nothing in that game, I believe, at that time. That was freaking huge, man. And then Georgia comes down and answers with the field goal. I don't really care about answering. But to not go down multiple scores at that point in the game, I think was pretty big. Williams was, was not hurt at that point. That was pretty huge, guys. You know? The other really important game or drive is right after the fumble. It felt like Georgia said, screw it. You know, we'll see what we can do here, but let's just go deep. There, I think there is a, a saying here. I'm not going to say it. Obviously, it's a family podcast, but so look, Armor Davis, you know, he's dinged. You got Kool-Aid on one side, who's going to be a hell of a player. You got Jackson on the other side, who was our number one junior college corner. But both those guys are you know, not backups, but kind of backups. Let's test them. We got subs on the outside. We signed five stars, too. And they went ahead and did it. And a uh, couple, couple flags, a couple pass interferences, and a couple nice catches down the field. George takes the lead. Those, to me, those were the two drives. It was Georgia's defense keeping them in the game at a point in time in which they were really not doing well. Obviously, Stetson's fumble, and uh, you know, Bama did a great job getting some free rushers on him tonight. I thought Nick Saban's defense was really, really good for the most part. And then going deep and and just it was basically like, hey, let's do a little quarter roll stuff with like little mini boots, and that was big, you know. Uh, Joseph Schmidt says, Coco, let's take Joseph Schmidt. We'll talk a little slight gambling here. Let's keep it about the game, though. I know we got a lot of folks here. And uh, um, from a gambling perspective, what did you make the line after the injury? I know we hit UGA cheap, but what would you have made it? So I thought, remember, like pregame, I thought it should be like UGA 3754. Uh, from that, after that point, I thought anything under a field goal you had to take. There was some pick out there, there was some two and a half. And, I uh, just said, like, how how is Bama going to score consistently without Williams? You're relying on, like, Slade Bolden and Billingsley and those guys who are not bad, but, like, I don't really trust them, and true freshmen. So, uh, for me, that was, that was something you had to hit. Obviously, I, I feel for Williams, you know, that sucks, but it's it, football is a gladiator sport, you know. Coca, uh, hit me with those odds, man. So, we, we have the Caesars. College football opening odds for next season. Bama plus 250, UGA plus 450, Ohio State plus 700, and Clemson plus 1,200. Uh, personally, I don't think Georgia should be uh, the second favorite. I think that Ohio State should be favored over Georgia, but I do think Bama should undoubtedly be the favorite for next year. I don't want to get too much into next year. We're still celebrating this game, but uh, since I brought it up, this was the year you had to get Bama for sure. Like they were gettable. They lost a game. 
you know, they could have uh, could have lost multiple this year. If you don't cash this one in, and I was gonna be disappointed because I got that ten to one ticket. So, yeah, uh, tell us what the one is in the Georgia ticket, guys. I can't do that obviously for tax purposes. Uh, the one is one dollar. So, all right, um, let's go for more stats here, and we'll get some more questions. Obviously, Bama's red zone struggles. Uh, Georgia, third and long struggles as well. I'm pretty sure. Just kind of going over some things we talked about in the pregame. I assume Chip is still doing um, doing HQ. Uh, Marcelo just texted me. I am live. I am cover three. Cover three. Watch me on YouTube. Um, all right, so let's go ahead and take a look here. Brandon Marcelo, follow him on Twitter, and Chris Hummer as well. Great time tonight hanging out with those guys at dinner as well as some unnamed FBS head coaches. And that's why I love the convention because you get to get some guys just off the record and pick their brains on stuff. Uh, so Stetson Bennett on third and long tonight. So let's just define this as third and six or more. Third and 10, incomplete third and nine, incomplete third and nine. 10 yards, first down, third and 12, four yards, punt, third and four, first down, third and 14, eight yards, punt, third and eight, incomplete, third and seven, incomplete, um, third and, okay, that's it. And then obviously uh, another sack on third and eight. So we discussed this in the pregame, right? You have got to get Georgia into third and long because Stetson Bennett plays like a walk-on when they are in obvious passing down situations. However, he is pretty good at hitting explosive plays when they are not in those situations. Now, tonight, he wasn't great, you know, like nothing special. 224 on 26, no picks. Obviously, you can kind of classify the one as a pick if you want. I don't really care. I mean, the the, the fumble on the sack. Five sacks is, uh, is, is, is quite a lot on 26 pass attempts, so 31 dropbacks, not counting some scrambles. He, he did have, I think, what, two or three scrambles on the evening. Uh, but when Bama was able to get Stetson Bennett into obvious passing down situations like we talked about in the pregame, kid played like a walk-on. However, Georgia was able to create enough explosive plays on early downs to move the football. Georgia cashed in their red zone opportunities a little bit, and Bama was not able to really move the football uh, and cash in on the red zone. Matt Coca, great stat here. Stetson Bennett was 7 of 15 on passes that went more than 5 yards in the air and 10 of 12 on passes that went 5 or fewer yards, which is fairly consistent, right? Like, we laughed all week about the, the flip phone and all this stuff for Stetson Bennett and... Uh, I was like, bro, enjoy that because whatever you're doing for a career, you're probably going to get need to get your smartphone back. You're going to have some Slack, maybe some Teams. You're going to have, you know, a couple of email clients on there because you're going pro in something other than sports. I would, unless you you know work for a team or something like that, but like not uh, n- not not pro football. Um, people want to know. Let's throw Prince Bo here. Here, if Jamison doesn't go down. What is the final score? This is always one of those uh, creative questions that people are going to think about. 
Now, I, I don't like this. Hey, he was on pace for this. Uh, but just hypothetically here, Jameson Williams was on pace for – was on pace for 14 catches for 200. Pretty good pace he had there. Georgia clearly was game planning for the guy and was not stopping him. Alabama and, and Bill O'Brien – we're finding ways to get Jamison Williams open despite George's attention on him. And Bryce Young was hitting him. So does Georgia beat Alabama if, if James Williams doesn't go down? I think so. Potentially, yeah. They were finding enough ways to create explosives with him. So Bryce Young escapes pressure pretty well, you know. Uh, why do you think Georgia took a while to run the ball more? It's an interesting question. So Georgia finished tonight with 140 rushing yards. Now, take out the sacks, obviously. What they lose? 31 yards on sacks on, or 37 yards on official tallies, four sacks. So let's call it 26 and 170, 177. 26 for 177 is pretty damn good. Uh, but ultimately, you have James Cooks with 67 of that. So on the other non-James Cook 67-yard rushes, you know, 67-yarders, you're at, what, 25 for 110? Which still isn't that bad. But if you look at it, let's go ahead and, and look at, at the comparison here. I think early on, I mean, G- Georgia had some – some challenges blocking Alabama. I thought I thought Bama had some nice run blitzes they were getting home with. Georgia actually made, if you guys follow this, uh, they made a, a change at tackle in this game. And Turner was getting quite a bit of pressure on Stetson Bennett. But like Georgia made some offensive line changes in this ballgame. Both these teams had some offensive line struggles quite a bit. And later in the game, Georgia was able to run the football effectively uh, which was interesting because I don't think Bama's defense was necessarily all that tired considering Georgia only ran like, what, 50-something plays in the game. But if you look at it, you know, Georgia ran 13 times in the first half and 17 times in the second half. It's not really that big of a split, guys. The key was the effectiveness. In the second half, Georgia ran 17 times for a buck 14. In the first half, they ran 13 times for 26. Now, of course, you got the sack yardage. You got to take out. Uh, part of that was the explosive cook run, obviously, there in the second half. But a lot of their success came. Yes, sir. I'll finish the point. A lot of their success came after Stetson just said, screw it, we're going deep, chuck the ball deep. And then in that final drive, like how many rushing yards did Georgia have in the fourth quarter in that final drive after Stetson already already went deep? I mean, looking at it, I'm going to say 38. Like it, it felt like it was a seven, five, go, seven, buddy. six, five, four. I mean, it was it was like we're we're putting we're we're gonna put a stamp on this. And it was the fact that Georgia's offensive line was mauling in a way that it hadn't yet was just the signal that this was gonna be cooked. It's like your wife gives you the look, hey, you know what? We're brushing our teeth, taking our medicine, <laughs> we're reading one book, and your ass is going to bed. Done. Did you miss bedtime? Dad mode. Did you miss bedtime as you were in San Antonio? <laughs> I, I did. Yeah, yeah. Um, Man, I'm so I'm so glad you're here. Tw- Twenty seven minutes is is, uh, is is quite a bit. The uh, yeah, we were doing um, 
Like we, they threw away to the Nick Saban press conference. So I did get to see uh, some very insightful stuff on the Alabama side, which we can get into in a little bit. You know, I don't want to um, derail this, but w- once I once I finally got the go, the all clear, like they're set on site. Chip, you have been released to uh, to be able to feed the feed the loyal Cover Three viewers and the loyal Cover Three listeners that have been hanging out. We are just so appreciative that uh, that y'all have done that. Um, I, hell of a national championship game, huh? It was, man. I, the takeaways I've been saying: this is the Bama team you had to get, especially after Jamison went down. Like, if you don't win this one, you're you're not feeling too good. You know what I mean? So, how long do are you able to to sing the praises of Georgia before you start to do the well? Actually, about the different levels for Alabama and the team that it brought in here versus the team that was in Atlanta on the first Saturday in December. Yeah. I mean, look with some of the offensive line injuries, obviously some of the DB injuries and then Jamison going down. I mean, Jamison was on pace for 14 catches and 200. It's a pretty good pace before he went down. Georgia, they got five weeks to focus on the dude and he's still cooking them early on. So, Bill O'Brien was finding creative ways to get him open and, and get him open explosively. And when he goes down, it is a different game. But that's why you recruit, man. You got to have multiple guys, and and at some point, like you know, you, you injury luck can get you. And they without Mechie, without Williams, I thought it was tough. I thought it was a violent game. You know, one of my like, you know, all that hand wringing about college football playoff and expansion, how they couldn't come to an agreement. I watched this violent ass game and I don't want college football playoff expansion. I saw Jameson Williams go down with an injury. I saw some hard hits in this game. And it's like, you don't understand what uniquely motivated college athletes at the very top of the sport, the four stars and five stars that are going to the teams that will be playing in the college football playoff. Like we don't need 16 game. Like we, I pass. Like I just, listen, call me crotchety old man. And I've kind of been on this kick where everyone's all mad about the postseason, but give this, we don't need a whole lot more of these games on these human bodies. This was incredible. I loved every second of it. But man, there is a there's there's a different level of uh, of violence that comes when teams like Alabama and Georgia square off with this kind of stakes. There, there really is, and and like it is so much fun to watch this Georgia defense tee off. And I don't want to go back to the hey, like once Jamison went out, point. But once they went out, or once he went out, it was like oh, they're playing at a little bit different speed, you know, and they're they're playing downhill, and like who's really going to beat us? And they they kind of. But like it, so, I, I, I thought that I th- it was very fun to watch. Jaleel Billingsley let him down from the start. I thought he was bad. He's not dependable. Bad in the first half, and then when they they targeted, hold on, I've got the stat broadcast pulled up. Ajay Hall had like five targets in the first maybe ten snaps that he was on the field. Ajay Hall finishes with eight targets and two catches. Ajay and, Hall is but, uh, the most talented receiver on that team, I think. James Coley called his ass out in the film. There's a, there's a reason he doesn't play. Because <laughs> he can't make he contested catches? He's not trustworthy as a player. Yeah, J- that was they like... can't count on him to do the right thing, to be in the right spot, to be consistent. So I was watching... There's some a reason Jimbo. he was at that many high schools in that many years. Yeah, yeah, I was watching some Jimbo film room, and Coley was taking shots. I didn't get to see it. At Ajay Hall. 
They all know. They all know the deal. They That's all what I'm saying. Him. They all recruited him. They were like, they're like, yeah, you can't. Yeah, not surprising. He's not dependable. Can't trust him to make tough grabs. Um, you know, also Jacory Brooks targeted nine times, did pull in six of those catches. Treshawn Holden targeted eight times, pulled in six of those catches for 28 yards. It's just once we lost Williams. And it was, look, my bold prediction, so I'm wrong. Like, I am coming here being like, I. this is what I was staking, you know, my CBS Sports HQ, what's your X Factor? What's your bold prediction? What's your Geico 15-second bold prediction? Like, all of it was based on the idea that the youth in this wide receiver room, which I believe to be truly special, was going to be able to step up. And every opportunity was there for that to happen. And it didn't happen. And I think that was a major major factor in the outcome of this game. Can they step up as the two and the three? I think they probably could have. If Williams stays healthy, this may really be a different game, right? I mean, like, like the, the final score does not really indicate how close this game was for the most part. Because of the pick six. The pick when six Williams, tilts everything. Right. Yeah. And the fact that Georgia went ahead and scored the touchdown at the end when, you know, I guess they could have played for the field goal if they wanted to. Uh, but when, they, when, when Williams goes down, those young guys got to be the one and the two and the three, unless you count Slade Bolden, which, like, okay, he's fine, but, you know, is he an NFL guy? We'll see. Well, the the advantage of Slade Bolden when you've got the other guys out there is that you can move him around yeah. and start to, like, create some mismatches and make you think. When Slade Bolden is the only trustworthy wide receiver on the field, the defense has an entirely different situation to be able to, to handle. Exactly. You know, and – the other thing we talked about this, Georgia got pressure in the first game. Georgia got pressure in the second game. What was the difference? Two things. Number one, they did occasionally get Bryce Young on the ground tonight, which in the first game they did not. Like they actually finished off some of these pressures. The second thing was when Bryce escaped tonight, it was not death. It was like, oh, it's a cut. Okay. But like it wasn't 70. It was 15. It was 20. It was live to play another down. Damn, Bryce Young got out of this pressure. That sucks. He's a magician. He's also super accurate and the releases really quick, like you saw with the touchdown play in the red zone. Georgia, Georgia has two guys come free. And and Bryce Young finds the guy that gets open in the end zone. But they were not explosive plays from busted pressures. You know what I mean? They like or not deadly explosive plays. They were good plays. They just weren't the, the bomb. Like he never hit the kill shot on him for the most part, when he evaded pressure. And that was that was a major difference in the game because you forced him to play red zone roulette, which, by the way, we told people, we're going to sell those shirts. It's a cool phrase. They can Venmo you because uh, I'm not really sure how long it'll take us to get an official shirt in the store. So if we can make these bootleg, you know, nobody's paying attention to us in the offseason anyway. Let's do it. Offseason, uh, uh, red zone roulette, hashtag red zone roulette, uh, at the Cover 3 podcast, if, if we get enough momentum, then I'm sure that we can make uh, shirts. And if you are able to make the shirt, maybe we'll send you a mug, from the <laughs> an engraved mug from the uh, the CBS Sports store. So You know what colors are on the, are, are, are on the roulette wheel, right? It's red and black. It's red no and black. No dogs. Sick them. Uh, who's that coming on down the tracks? I mean, it's listen. <laughs> Like there is some aspect of this, which like we, as people who have like 
covered this sport and been so tied to the Southeast. Like, like we are the bias that so many people across the country, we have listeners in Australia, we have listeners in England. Um, I, I, we had a listener reach out to me today who asked me to delay uh, the Cover 3 podcast. Thankfully, Bud was not going to do that for the good listeners, but he, he said, he was like, hey, look, my England time, I'm trying to make sure I line this up. No, listen, we know that the Georgia National Championship experience has been something that's very real. The fact that that's gone is amazing. The fact that Stetson Bennett IV is the one who ended it. And with that touchdown pass to Mitchell, too, as like an emphatic final statement, I am not going to create a Disney Rudy-like movie, but damn, it doesn't feel like we got a Disney Rudy-like movie coming up in what, like, 20 years or something like that. Mm-hmm. It, 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 could you write a better script for Kirby Smart to end the saving curse by being like more defensive of a coach? And to, guess what? We're going to win this thing with two go get it balls, two PIs, an explosive run from Dalvin Cook's little brother, James Cook, and hellacious defense. I mean, what is it like AJ with better wheels? Like, I mean, he just sat there. He said, he's like, I, I know, I, I know what a national championship winning quarterback looks like. We can, we can go out there and get it done. But I mean, he like fantastic. And when you had, uh, had you already talked about the, the fumble and like battle catching it going out of bounds, because that felt like some Georgia football in the bad way, kind of karma that felt like, yeah, the, you know, the off chances that are are you, Brian Branch is a sophomore, right? I'm, I'm yeah, because they played they played with Nickel last year, right? Okay, like the off chance that he is casually like pulling that ball in as his foot steps an inch from being out of bounds, and that thing turns into a you know a fumble and an Alabama recovery. At that moment, you thought that you were in the midst for another Georgia heartbreak. Yeah, because Until I thought Alabama should have gone for it on the previous drive. Mm-hmm. I was like, without Williamson, and there's no real guarantee that you're going to get back down there to kick another field goal. And then I was a dumbass because immediately they were right down there again. I was like, well, okay, fine. Setson Bennett just going to do walk-on stuff. And, man, they just they got it done. That was, that was very impressive by Georgia's offense that they were able to come back down late. I will say their defense kept them in that game for a long time, you know, Bama had Alabama's defense played great. Yeah, both of them, you know, I thought played super, super good, and both created a ton of pressure. I mean, Georgia had what five sacks, or Bama had five sacks. Georgia had a good number of sacks. The one, oh, the other key difference I thought tonight was they did get Bryce Young on the ground more, but they created more throwaways. Didn't it feel like like there were a number of times where Bryce was like, "Damn it, nobody's open." Like I'm just. He's chucking the ball into the crowd. You know, in the first game, I felt like he didn't throw the ball away as much. He found somebody, you know, and tonight they got quicker pressure on him. They really forced him to be uncomfortable. When he sidestepped it, they had a second guy on him. It was it's pretty impressive. Yeah, if you guys are doing home field, home field promo code cover three. That's right. I thought that they're um, the plays that should have gone – longer like everything along the way in terms of the absent again like I'm, I'm i'm caught in this like weird space where i 
I very much want to celebrate and enjoy and live the Georgia fan experience because guess what? That's what we get to do. You know what true non-biased uh, college football analysis is? We get to enjoy all of your celebrations. Doesn't matter who wins, we get to enjoy it. And I want to be in that Georgia place. But I thought that some of those screen passes, some of that perimeter play, some of the quick game, some of the stuff that was working really well in the SEC championship game when you had both Jameson Williams and John Mechie on the field, it was just executed better, you know, just all along the way. A lot of like second down throws that probably should have gone for five or six yards. They only went for one or two. And, and yep. that's where I kind of felt like I saw things really pile up for the throwaways to your point where the easy plays all of a sudden weren't easy. And then everything else just started to, to compile. I mean, Bryce Young throws the ball 57 times in this game for 369 yards. He threw it for 421 in the SEC championship game. And we talked about it being like some historic performance. 369 to 421 is not that different. But the difference, of course, being the two interceptions and the fact that uh, 35 for 57, the completion percentage is just at 61%, far below his average on the season. Not far below, but below his average on the season. And, you know, very much a point in terms of Alabama not being able to run the ball consistently. And, like I said, the short plays that should have been your extension of the run game, which was a big part of the game plan in the SEC championship game, None of that was hitting for the kind of success rate that you wanted. Yeah. So Bryce Young tonight, according to our friends at GameOnPaper.com, uh, 42% success rate, negative 0.74 EPA per play. So even though I thought Bryce played really hard, not an efficient game from him, uh, really not an efficient game at all from Brian Robinson Jr. on the ground. Now, he actually was pretty effective through the air when they threw the ball to Robinson, but you're rarely going to lose the game on passes to a running back, right? It's like, okay, take advantage of it when it's there, but it's not really a, a – it's kind of a, almost a constraint play, if you will. Like, if they're going to give it to you, you have to take it, but it's probably not your game plan. Like, we're going to beat you with passes to the back. It usually doesn't happen. Um, you know, by the way, hey, our prop on Robinson under hit. For under passing yards? No, un- under rushing yards. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. When we told you to bet it under 85 and a half, he only had 68. If you went to the other site when they had 64, he lost. He had 68. Uh, We we took it under 85 and a half. Um, So negative 1.8 EPA per play, only a 32% success rate. So basically, every time they gave the ball to Robinson, it was advantage Georgia on the night, even though he ran hard, even though he had a couple good runs. On average, when they gave the ball to him, they were backing themselves up. I'm sure Georgia, if you could play this thing again, they're like, please, please run the ball against us 22 times. We love this. Yeah. We eat it up. Please right. keep running the ball against us. Right. And, and great. those those runs, you know, came with some like, ooh, especially off of the Cincinnati game. I think if, if Brian Robinson does not run for 204 against yeah. Cincinnati, my brain probably isn't as like, ooh, maybe this is going to be a difference because – Alabama didn't even try to uh, to make that a major factor here. Coconuts are really good, by the way, in the private chat right now. Uh, he noted two things. Keely Ringo hawking down Cam two on the broken play and Bama having to settle for a field goal is massive. Now, granted, you're a corner at Georgia. I expect you to chase down a tight end. Like, that's part of the scholarship, bro. But yeah, good but job for doing it. 
throw that with uh, the uh, the pick six, and that's a yeah, that's oh, a phenomenal huge. game. And like Chris Smith has the you know bad throw, busted play. You know he he gets that pick too. Georgia secondary in general, big time game ball without a doubt. Yeah, the other one, Bryce Young, uh, four of fourteen on passes of fifteen plus yards, zero for seven on passes to the right of fifteen plus yards. Kind of interesting, though. Does Georgia play boundary and corner? Does Georgia play left and right? No, they, they play field boundary and field. Typically. Oh yeah, boundary and field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, thank you. Yeah, you you've been no, hanging no, out. I know, I know what you hey, you've been hanging out with. Coach hey, yeah, we got some guests, dude. Like, 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 like I'm. Were you watching? I'm not ripping shots with these guys for fun. Like, the, the, we, we, you guys, we got some good guests coming up here. This is this is gonna be a fun fun time on the Covery Podcast. Um. Were you watching the game with coaches? Like, what was yeah. the, the? You don't have to put anything to any names, but like, what were some of the observations that stood out to you? So, Tom was actually right about how much single high they were playing in this game. I thought they were going to just try to play more conservatively and win red zone roulette. And we kind of split the baby here because I was right that they were trying to deny the explosive play, but I thought they played more three early than than, than some of that two shell stuff. Like they. You know, they, they would they would be in two and then they would roll it down and they would play some more more cover three stuff. Um, you know, Bama. It almost felt like Georgia didn't respect Bama's play action game that much. Mm. They're just like whatever. Like we're not really going to care about about that at all. Um, oh, interesting question. If those receivers could catch a pass, does that change your opinion on the defensive backs? No, I thought they still played well. I mean, like the pass breakups that they had, even. Like some of those were defensive back making a play, you know, getting that other arm around to be able to bat the pass around. Like if you want to, if we want to, we're talking about elite athletes all across the board. So, you know, would Jamison Williams or John Mechie have had stronger hands in that moment? Maybe, but I, I think that in the moment of competition, we have to respect competition and the fact that the DB made the play. I mean, is this part of the point though of the analysis? Like we talked about this. Do you trust Bama's young guys to consistently play? I think we said this literally word for word. I trust Bama's young guys to be explosive. I don't trust them to be consistent if Georgia makes them be so. That's part of the game plan. I guarantee you Georgia thought about that going in. Like, do I think George Corey Brooks can be explosive? Yeah. Do I think he's going to be super consistent as an 18? Or, well, I guess he's probably 19. I think he was probably age over level. But no, I don't. He's a freshman. And for every Devontae Smith who, who catches the winning touchdown in the national title game, even at Bama, even at Georgia, true freshman are going to play like true freshman, guys. It's hard to lose. There's a reason they went out and got Williams in the portal to start. You know, mm-hmm. Mechie last year on this team was the number three. Right, because they they yeah, had Jalen and they had Devonte. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then all of a sudden you're like, all right, Mechie's their number one. Okay, is he? A, I mean, for a lot of teams, we'd be very excited to have him as the number one. Like he's a, he's a fine one at Bama. They go out and get Williams. I think they got more than they bargained for in the portal for him in a positive way. But after that, there's a drop off, and when those guys go down, Georgia's like, okay, we'll take this. You know. All right. So how much um, how much do you want to spin forward, and how much do you want to stay in the present? Um, I'll take it anywhere you want to go. All right, so Georgia's, t- Georgia's about to lose Dan Lanning to Oregon. 
Georgia's yep. about to lose, I don't know, six first three-round draft picks on the defensive side of the ball. I'm going to pull up their depth chart here. Uh, so off the top of my head, I'm going to say that Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, N'Kobe Dean, Nolan Smith, um, Darion Kendrick, like Jalen Carter. So that's six right there. Right. Very quickly. And I don't, I think Jalen Carter's a third year player. Like, and wait, is he? I thought Jalen Carter might be a second year guy. Maybe I'm wrong. True sophomore. He's trying to think. Hold on. So he was on a Popka when they played. I was at this, I was at his his last game. So he was on a Popka when they played Columbus in the state title because that was the year we had it in Daytona. And it was like hey, a Jalen Carter's game. a sophomore. This is okay, a, yeah, this I is a reference that you're dropping. Unlike well, no, no, because Jalen Carter played Wildcat quarterback, tight end, punted, and was and played D, D, DN for a Popka. Worth I remember it. that. I was like, holy cow, this guy is yes. freakishly good. So okay. yeah, that was a Daytona year. Okay, sorry. Okay. That's no, that's no, a no, very no. that's a deep cut. That's a deep, <laughs> that's a deep Florida high school football cut, and that's why <laughs> the people come to the cover three podcast because <laughs> Like our, our minds are loaded with all of this information and it's way more fun if this is like truly a conversation. So Jalen Carter's back. Congratulations. An all American, um, you know, when he, when he comes back, but, but Jalen Walker Gall, is, is a junior. There's lot, lots going to be Trayvon lost. They've been, they've been recruiting at an unbelievable level. You know, no doubt about that. But do you look at this as Kirby cashed in, on the first era? Is this the end of the first chapter? Like, is, is this the, like, okay, Kirby arrived. He promised us something. We got close. We fell short. We broke through. And now it's time to move on. Like, is that the Georgia perspective that you just, the, like, whatever happens next year, like you're not coming back expecting a national championship because he just got delivered. I think so. Yeah. I mean, this was the year you had to get it. I'm not saying you can't win it next year, but like, like if you compare the rosters coming back, I feel like you like Alabama a lot more next year than you do Georgia, especially okay. because they, they have the most important position on the field figured out. And they had it figured out tonight, and I still don't think you did, but you had enough talent around them, whereas Bama did not have the, the right combo tonight of talent and experience around Bryce to, to cash it in, which is fine. Like you're not, you're not going to win the title every year, Nick Saban. Uh, but Georgia is not going to be a flash in the pan. I don't believe like they're recruiting extremely well. Eventually Georgia's going to get quarterback, right? You know, mm. am I frozen or shit? Okay. No, like no, 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 no. I'm, I mean, maybe, I just, maybe it's Vandergriff. Maybe you're a gunner Stockton believer. Maybe it's a portal thing. Eventually Georgia will, will be back with their freaks on defense and they will have a, like a guy who could play in the NFL at quarterback or something, you know, to who knows, let's get crazy. Right. So this should not be a flash in the pan thing. I do think this is the year that they had to get it done because if they don't win it this year, what, what if they lose two games next year? You know, what if they don't go back to the playoff next year? They could, they also could not, we'll, we'll see what happens. So, it was so important they actually cashed it in this year in this cycle. Otherwise, we would have been talking about – I asked, I asked a college head coach this tonight. I said, if Georgia doesn't win this shit, 
What's a bigger failure? Georgia not winning a title with this defense because they couldn't get quarterback right, or Ryan Day not winning a title with that offense because they couldn't get defense right? And we debated a little bit across the bar. It was it was a fun chat. Now we don't have to have that call because mm-hmm. Georgia cashed it in. Yeah, I, I this is a fun this is not a not an informed um opinion, but I think it's fun for conversation. You ready for it? Yeah. Yeah. Kirby winning this national championship is bad for anybody who wants to see Georgia innovate offensively. Mm, you you I'm get still... to the mountaintop playing full blown old school saving ball. You have Stetson Bennett the fourth. And, like, not even utilizing Bowers in particularly unique ways. I mean, like, Bennett came up with the the huge throw to Mitchell. Like, But we are talking about, like, one long cook run, the 60-yard pass to Mitchell. Like, the explosive plays within this Georgia offense were few and far between. It was, it was a lot of complimentary football. And he just won a national championship playing complimentary football. We talked about earlier in the season how all the throws of what 10 or 15 yards down the field or more were all coming when Georgia had the lead in the right. ball game. Like Kirby Smart just won it. And look, and that's not to say that it's not a, a way to win because the pendulum in football always swings. And if you just have more bigger, stronger, faster, more well coached, and I want to lean in on well-coached, especially when it comes to preparation, especially when it comes to being able to uh, do your film study to identify where you need to be and what you need to do. The pre-snap movement throughout this entire game, that chess match was amazing. I don't know what those calls were, but both sides just like shifting all over the place, all pre-snap. I I think that Kirby Smart, by winning this national championship, only got some positive reinforcement that he can play. He he can coach his way, and he can get to the top of the mountain. There were. I'll, I'll take your question first, and I want to pose another thing real quick that we, we discussed tonight. First, I don't think so. Um, I actually am of the belief that Kirby went in on offense last year, and going to get Todd Munkin and said, "I want to get an NFL guy who is known for scoring points." Now. To me, that is a little bit of it like, like there's your intent thing there, what he wants to do, and then what he ended up having. I don't think JT Daniels was healthy. That's kind of my opinion and stuff I've heard is like he just was not able to stay healthy for long stretches of time and was not particularly better than Bennett, probably because he's not been able to get healthy. You know, does Bennett the starter next year or does Vandergriff pass him up? You know, we'll, we'll see. The other thing I, I, I want to the motion thing you mentioned is interesting because there were reports out there that people thought that Georgia was tipping its sim pressures, right, to Bama against motion. And I think I think SC Statcat had, had, had a stat that like against motion in the first game, it was like what fifty five percent or success rate or something pretty high when when Bama used motion there. Um, however, I talked to a coordinator who faced Georgia and looked at that thing pretty closely because we had chatted about it. And he's somebody who knows Nick's defense really well. And he didn't think that was the case. He did not think they were tipping. Or if they were tipping, he couldn't figure it out. Mm -hmm. So I definitely think there was a lot of chess stuff going on tonight with the motion. Motions can be tough anyway. Um, Georgia comfortably got in there two tight end sets. They did some nice stuff off play action, especially with some of that quarter roll stuff there on that 
like the one drive, they're like, hey, you know what? We're going to check it deep. And they got, what, two PIs and two nice catches off it? That was pretty huge. Uh, they also, I think they hit, was the long cook run at, at a double tights? I don't remember the uh, the formation. Okay. I'm trying to remember. Uh, it might have been. It was 12 and 30. I mean, like like early in the, because the cook run was third quarter? Yeah. Yeah. I I I'd stopped marking down. I had twelve and thirteen for a lot of the first half. I don't I don't remember uh, what it was after I was doing the halftime HQ. So people in the chat want to know is Stetson Bennett could go to the NFL? Like why do I think he's not the quarterback? I'm like, well, guys, because it, it, if Georgia doesn't have the, one of the best defenses in my lifetime and Chip's lifetime, they probably don't want a title tonight. Like he's, you know. Let's see how good Vandergriff is, and if if they go if they go portal, y'all y'all need to stop being upset about this. Stetson Bennett won a title. Yeah, Stetson Bennett the fourth is, is everything you want about college football. Okay, listen, bus drivers. He is he's proving the bus driver fighter pilot theorem wrong with this national championship by saying, you know what? Even in the college football playoff era, a bus driver can go and win you that natty. You just need to have a arguably historic defense loaded with talent that has been accumulated at an absurd level over multiple cycles. That's all you need. It's not that hard. You know, there's all of five programs in the country that could do that. But yeah, I mean, again, why I I am very, very happy for Stetson Bennett the fourth, for Kirby Smart, for the Georgia Bulldogs for uh, the fact that this offense, which has been extremely efficient and situationally excellent throughout the entire season, was able to step up and get what they needed, you know? And that's and that was pretty cool. Pretty cool for exactly. Uh How many drives did Bama have where they had a first down inside of Georgia territory? Six or seven? That ended up with like punts. No, no, because like they, we know on the red zone possessions they scored fifteen points on on four trips. But they also had two possessions I know I could think of where they had a first down inside of of, of Georgia's forty, and they didn't get points. Were there any more? I'm trying to think here. All right, so I've got uh, drive ended. Georgia forty one a punt in the second quarter. Georgia 30 field goal attempt. That was a miss. And yeah, I think it's only like it's four. And then interception interception and turnover on downs, the last ones. So four possessions ended in Georgia territory, zero points. It's a lot. Yeah. I mean, all the field goals. That's kind of your game right there. (laughs) Yeah. all, All the field goals was when I was like, ah, well. You know, that balance of, you know, your prediction going wrong. I mean, it was way, way, way cooler, like, uh, when it goes hilariously wrong. I, I will always remember the Ohio State-Clemson semifinal last year because it was just so oh. wrong so early. You just you knew off the bat that Justin Fields and Chris Olave were about to nuke this Clemson defense. And, you know, this one was... uh you know, a little bit more of a scent that you just kind of pick up. You haven't, 
exactly figured out where the smell's coming from, but uh, the inability to convert in those red zone opportunities, of course, you know, a fatal flaw for the Alabama offense, no doubt. The the chat thinks that Stetson Bennett's coming for Danny's job. So cannot wait to hear Stetson Bennett on the call of Wyoming, New Mexico on the CBS Sports Network in two years. Sick. Well, I mean, that's Aaron Murray bias. Just because Aaron Murray, that's the thing is like, you're already, you're already fighting. Like, what does Aaron Murray have? He has the passing records that you don't have. What do you have that Aaron Murray doesn't? That national championship that slipped away from him five yards uh, in 2012 when they couldn't beat Alabama and likely would have rolled Notre Dame in the same way that Alabama rolled Notre Dame in the 2012 season. But um, fantastic. All right, a look, a look ahead for you. All right. How many teams would you bet money on you can name that will be in the end of season top 25 for next year right now? Be in the- I've been trying to put together my top 25. Like, is it six teams? Is it eight teams? This is kind of tough. But you feel good. We'll make it to the end. And this is also knowing that by the end of five weeks of college football action, we had 25 plus teams lose to unranked teams based yeah. on the season poll. Yeah. So our How preseason predictions we'll are horrendous. Yeah. This is tough. I think I would. I think I'm in a wide ass open chip. I think I'm in an eight to 10 kind of range. I think so too. Yeah. No names. We got future shows coming up. I was just, I was going through my potential top 25 look ahead type thing for next year. It's like, all right, I got four. Because ultimately, whoever you put at one through eight are the teams that you have the most confidence in that. Even if they lose three games, they're going to be good enough that they're going to finish 24. Right. Or 20 or something like that. You know, Bama, Ohio State, Georgia, Notre Dame, AM, I think, should finish ranked if they get quarterback right, I would guess. Because uh, you, you got Auburn and LSU in that division next year. So. Mm-hmm. Utah, probably, but like it's not crazy. I think they could lose three or four games, you know, just depending on what happens. It, it, it's, I would not, be put a very Utah, fun I would not put Utah in the bet money on category. I think I might, but like not, like not a ton. Not to be not, a not, top, not to be a end of season top 25 team because if Utah, Utah's got an eight and four season creeping around the corner. Right. And I don't know if eight and four is going to be good enough. Uh, there's no way anybody but Bama starts year number one next year, right? Ohio State. You trust Ohio State to get the defense right though over this Bama? Like, like ah, uh, I just I think that Alabama losing and Ohio State with everybody opted out winning is just enough that could get Ohio State the preseason number one. Not to say it's deserving, but I'm just saying like. Prediction kind of stuff. Yeah, but you've got okay. All right, here's this Bama defense next year. Will Anderson can't turn pro. You have Dallas Turner on the other side. Who's Dallas Turner was amazing tonight. Oh my gosh, he was so much. Can I just say, if you're a recruit out there, I had Dallas Turner at the Under Armour Miami camp. 
right? Like last March. And so often we see these kids who it's obvious to us as analysts and to future coaches, this guy is a insert position that is, you know, going down the defensive spectrum. So like in, in baseball, it's like having to move from shortstop to third base, right? Or third base to first base, whatever, because you're bigger. In football, it's moving from backer to D-end or D-end to D-tackle or, or whatever. You're going down the defensive spectrum. Nobody really moves up. Dallas Turner, very much to his credit, was listed as a linebacker on 24-7 sports. And Andrew Ivins and I are sitting there. Well, not sitting. We're standing. We're watching him. And I chatted him up. He's like, yeah, I'm going to be a D-end in college. You should move me to D-end. Thank you. This is like exactly what we like to hear because it means you don't have to waste your freshman season being convinced by the coaching staff that you are what everybody knows you are, right? Dallas Turner recognized what he was going to be because he's going to put on some weight, went ahead and played that position and had a great freshman season and came on in, you know, strong at the end. Like I love that. Same thing with Latham, to be honest. Their 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 guard. Like he was a DN when it came to IMG and embraced playing O line. Dallas Turner seven sacks in the final seven games. It was a phenomenal um, showing from him over the back half of the season. Yes, seven and a half, I think. Six and a half or seven, depending on uh, on how you calculate it, and all of it coming at the back half of the season. Uh, they may not lose anybody from the secondary. Like Jordan Bat might go pro, but Brian Branch, sophomore. DeMarco Hellams Jr., probably not an early guy. Kool-Aid's a true freshman. Jalen Arbor Davis is, is a redshirt junior, but like he got hurt, so maybe he doesn't go pro. They I'm going to fire this off, not as an insult, but just as a shout-out to let if, if the person who emailed me does happen to listen to the Cover 3 podcast, um, Jordan Battle was doing a lot of NIL stuff, so I'm, I'm going to assume that we're, we're in a business mode. For battle, <laughs> I love Jordan Battle. So, like, always liked him. Shout out Fred, one of the nicest recruiting parents I've ever dealt with. Just good people down there. I really like them. Um, they're going to get pass rush Clemson. pressure. Clemson is either going to get right with DJ or they're going to move on to Klubnik, right? No, I'm saying where so, are they in the preseason? Five. Ooh, I think that's high. Who do you have over them? I just like do you I, trust AM's offense more? I think he's got a better defense. I think that I would rather I, this is thinking that the preseason poll is not going to have a power rating perspective. Because remember, I jumped on the sword for sticking with Clemson too long, but you still had Clemson high in the power ratings. And everybody, everybody was like, oh, Chip still got Clemson in the top 25. You, you oh, took the like, bullet, man. No, nobody asked me. I'm like, fourth. <laughs> I've still got him at a plus 23. <laughs> <laughs> it still would favor him by three touchdowns. Like nobody's nobody's, nobody's scoring on them, you know? Yeah, no, no, I, I totally understand. I, I think that you you go like Ohio State, uh, Alabama one, Ohio State two, Georgia up there. Does Texas A&M with Max Johnson get like an automatic bump? You mentioned Notre Dame earlier. Like you could you could very quickly start to get to seven before you really start to reach. That's where I think it'll be like Clemson eight, NC state 12, you know, like, uh, 
no one in the top five that's making your preseason college football playoff predictions, but you know, two to three teams in the preseason top 25 from the Atlantic Coast Conference. Coca says uh, Clemson has the fourth best odds to win the 2023 title per seizures. Mm. It's a bold move after losing your offensive coordinator and your defensive coordinator. That is true. Um, Bama loses Josh Job, who didn't play in the playoffs, obviously got hurt. Uh, LeBron Ray, Fedarian Mathis, Daniel Wright, again, who hasn't been playing a ton. Brian Robinson is a running back, whatever, like not important. Um, you know, Chris Owens, Kendall Randolph, not material guys for the most part. Could lose Christian Harris, Henry Toto, Jordan Battle, DeMarco Hellams, Evan Evan Neal is not a could lose. Like, I think he probably belongs in another category. I guess, like, you know, Jameson Williams, I have to think, is gone. Mechie, obviously, but like, they have a lot of young talent at receiver. Um, yeah, they're they're going to be. I don't know. Maybe you really like Ohio State's defense. College football is not a game that has that much certainty as far as, like, I'm certain that a super recruiter will win the national title. Again, I'm not certain that it's Bama, but I do think Bama should be number one to start. The, uh, also, when we're predicting a preseason poll, we are not predicting the national champion. Correct. And Ryan Day might be the next head coach of the Chicago Bears. Is Do we have Tom's thoughts on that? On uh, Tom's just happy that both GM and head coach are gone. Okay. So it's like Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy are out. So you're just totally starting over and totally starting over when Justin Fields is your quarterback. That if you got the quarterback in place, just don't go hire idiots, right? Pretty much. That's what I would assume. I mean, it's, you know, we are going to be sitting in a place right now where it's possible that zero sitting head coaches get hired by the NFL. Zero. Could be three. And all of a sudden, the coaching carousel gets going again. So, should be uh, should be very, very interesting. All right, any other thoughts from tonight, national championship game, before we get out of here? Uh, they, how, how did it go at the beginning? Like, let's, let's go ahead and edit on air. Good, good, little, good little banter? Pretty solid, yeah. But we, we took a couple questions. I, I had some notes on my phone throughout. You know, I, was, I, I thought we had some Im- impactful drives. Kind of went over those. Went over. I thought what Georgia's plan kind of was, and then how they had to adapt it, uh, and to their advantage, obviously. When when Williams goes down, and uh, somebody asked, like, does does Bama win this game if, if Williams doesn't go down? Kind of just debated that with myself a little bit, and it was good, man. I was like, hey, you know what? HQs where, where we make our money, characters where we have our fun, and <laughs> like we 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 can we're we just play good man to man. Like Chip has to go to HQ, I got to do cover three, and then when our powers combine, we're like Captain Planet. This thing, yeah, exactly, all set. Um, we will be back with you uh, a little bit later on this week so that we can recap some of the the continued fallout. And look, there's going to be NFL draft announcements. We've got an NFL draft deadline that is coming up uh, a week from Monday that we will then be reacting to in terms of you know winners and losers from the NFL draft deadline. Uh, but uh, 
but it has been uh, a hell of a season. I've thoroughly enjoyed covering every bit of it with you here on the Cover 3 Podcast. Uh, YouTube, everyone who's tuning in live, it has been awesome to introduce this as part of it. The chat as its own social realm has been awesome. And if you are not a part of this, if, if you listen to this on the audio form, I get you because like the, uh, the Ion College Basketball Podcast with Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander, like I, I'm an audio listener for that one. And I'm an audio listener because I need it to do my chores. I need it to do, like, you know, do stuff with my hands, but to be able to join in on this live, there is an experience, a social experience that is awesome. And we love, love to have you all in the chat uh, every time that we are live. So we will continue to do some live shows here in the future. We will keep you abreast of all that schedule. The Cover 3 podcast is not going anywhere. We're talking multiple times per week, all up in your feed. YouTube.com slash Cover 3 uh, is the way to find it. Short round, you the goat. Uh, you know what it is. Smash that like button or else uh, hit the bell if you want to subscribe for notifications so you know anytime that we go live. Uh, congratulations, bud. It was a it was a pretty fun season. Yeah, any, Man, it any was final words that you want to offer for the listeners? Live at the under UGA with Ben in that red zone. Yeah. Ooh, boy, Red Zone Roulette t-shirt's coming soon. You can follow him on Twitter at Bud Elliott 3 You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. 